0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All right, man, what a great story of, of uh, how God worked in the Adler's life. And um, just, it's a really good, just kind of testimony for Financial Peace University. And, and so, man, if you've never been through that course, Uh, FPU is not for those who are necessarily struggling financially, although it is helpful for for those. Um, It really helps you develop a foundation for how to manage your resources in a godly way. And so it starts on February 27th, and uh, we wanna encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, You can register online, you can go to the Connect Center and uh, be a part of that, knock out some debt, Uh, get your future uh, set in the right uh, direction uh, financially. Um, As we've heard multiple times today, we've got a marriage conference coming up this weekend. And so, uh, man, I hope that you guys are gonna join us. I really, truly believe this is gonna be the best one we've ever done. We've got some great speakers. We've got just some, some incredible things that are gonna happen, and for my wife and I, it's always a reset. We need this every year in our own life. Like, when we come through the conference, and and I don't speak the whole time, I, I listen, and I've got several people speaking um, uh, during the weekend, and so for us, it's always a refocus. It's it's always a revisit on, on each other and our relationship, and man, it, it charges us up for uh, the following year, and so I hope that you're gonna be a part of it, and uh, we're also gonna meet Heath Bennett, our, our new pastor of development, uh, this weekend. He's going to be here. He's going to be teaching some breakouts, and uh, man, he's he's going to be a phenomenal communicator and, and leader for us. You're going to want to meet him. Um, and then, as we've mentioned, we're still looking for a place for him to hang for a few weeks as they sell their house in uh, Georgia and then move to Maryville. And so I know how it works. Everybody, you know, usually thinks well, somebody else is going to do it, right? And then we just wait. And so if you've got space, if you know of space uh, that he could he could use uh, for that transition, he would greatly appreciate it. We would greatly appreciate it. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Go to the Connect Center today and, and let us know. Offer it up, and, uh, and we'll go from there. We would truly, truly uh, appreciate it. Well, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 15. We're gonna look at a few verses here and, and uh, eventually get to Matthew 15 today, but uh, we're starting a brand new series entitled More Than Numbers. Uh, when I was a kid, Um, I was born right outside of Columbus, Ohio, and uh, my grandparents uh, lived there uh, my mom's parents lived on a farm, and so we would, we would talk about going to Grandma's on the farm. Uh, on my dad's side, uh, his parents lived in the city, or are we going to Grandma in the city? Well, what I loved about going into the city was that uh, my grandmother had two things going for us. She was like a block away from the greatest pizza joint in the world called Giuseppe's, and so we would eat that like almost every night, and we loved that. And then also, she would give me consistently a $1 bill, and when you're five, six years old and somebody gives you a dollar bill, man, that is cold, hard cash money, right? And so I would look at that dollar and I would feel like, man, I was the king of the world. And uh, the, the, the problem though, it didn't last long. <laughs> I would go across the street, there was this little convenience store, and I would take that dollar and I would literally, uh, I would strategically and with much effort buy as much candy as I possibly could with that dollar. Now, I know what some of the younger people are thinking, like, a dollar would not get you far at the gas station with any kind of candy trend. No, this is the kind of candy that costs you one penny. So there was like shelves and jars of all kinds of candy, and so I'm getting hundreds, you know? I'm getting as much as I can. I'm putting it on the counter, and and, and the the person behind, you know, on the register, they're shaking their head, like here they're counting up all this candy, you know, and you've got too much. You gotta take this back, you know? And, And so my purpose was to spend it all I would fill up that bag, I would go home with that candy, and I would eat like a king. It was a, it was a great day. My stomach would hurt. It was wonderful. I, I loved it. What's funny about I got bringing that story to my mind is, is that you know, at a young age, every single one of us, at least growing up in America, when we have money, our first instinct is to spend it. I got some. Sweet. Let's spend it. If you're a kid, you get a birthday present or maybe you get a birthday card and you know your uncle slips a $10 bill or $20 bill in there, what do you do with that? Boom, gone. <laughs> you're saving it up maybe to get something, but eventually it's, it's gone pretty quickly. And so at a young age, we learn that if you have money, you just, you just spend it until it's gone. And, and that's kind of just what we do, even at a young age in our life. And now as adults, especially in America, we kind of have this expectation. And, and we don't like to talk about it much, but it's just kind of bred in our heart, it's in our mind. And, and so we have this expectation that we want nicer things. And so, yeah, we want bigger houses and, and we want nicer stuff. And, and, and yeah, you get a better job that pays a little bit more than, you know, trade in the old car, get a, get a newer car. Old car was fine, but let's get let's get a newer one. Why? We got more money, and so as our as our income increases, then our standard of living increases. And so we consistently see that this expectation and, and man, you throw kids into the mix and kids are, 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 are hungry for are newer and better things as well. And so now as parents, like we, we have this tendency, we wanna, we wanna do well for them, we wanna give them things. And so we're balancing this, what's too much? And, and, and are we giving too much? And at what age? And so we, we've got all of these issues and tensions that begin to happen when it comes to money. And the sad reality is that even as, as as Christians, we've got this same mentality as a five-year-old in a candy store. And as soon as we get it, we gotta spend it. In fact, when you talk to people about this, and it's always a little uncomfortable to talk about it, but. Like uh, for from, from many people, like if you were to say, hey, what's your, what's your financial strategy for 2020? Like what's your, what are your goals? What are your financial you know, uh, strategies of how to reach certain things? And you know what? Uh, a lot of people, like this is, this is the extent of, of, of their strategy. Well, they say, when I have money, some, sometimes I have it and then I spend it and then I don't have any, <laughs> And it's like, that's it. That's just like all we think about it. And it's like as Christians, as we have, as we have grown, we face this, this, this tension and, and we're managing this, but there's something that we don't wanna admit. As Christians, we don't want to admit that we don't know how to manage money. That's too intimidating for us. Like we don't want to talk about it, it's a private thing, we like to keep it hidden, we don't, wanna, we don't wanna even really talk about it with our spouse, definitely not our kids, and definitely not our pastor, are you kidding me? Like, like, we don't want to get to a point to where we would honestly say and admit, you know what, we just don't know how to manage our money. Now here's the problem that, that furthers this tension. Uh, money's a big part of your life. It's a huge part of our life. Not, not in the sense of, 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 of like it's so important, but it's valuable because what does it do? Well, it gives us a sense of security. It gives us a house, right? It gives us the food on our table. Like we need money in order to get these things. Survival has to happen. Like we do want some level of, of comfort. We want air conditioning and you know, we want our cars to have heaters and get us from point A to point B. And so, so yeah. Money can, can help us do fun things, and so yeah, that, that, that's all great. So this is a big part of our life, but it can also be a huge stress-related issue in our life, right? I mean, when you think about money, if you're married, you fought about money. Like, it's happened. It's my, it might be happening this week, um, and, and you might, it doesn't matter how much you have, if you don't have enough money, you're stressed because you want more right? If you have enough, maybe you're, you're fortunate enough to have a lot of money today. And, and I don't know what that feels like, but if you got a lot, like, uh, like, like for you, what I'm told is now you're stressed about how to keep it and how to manage it. And I don't want anybody to get it, right? So there's stress in, in that area as well. Maybe you've overspent. And so now you're in debt and the debt is heavy and it's large and it looms and it just causes stress in your life. Again, when you have kids and, and as they're growing up, you know they want a car, they want clothes, they want this kind of a lifestyle, they want a phone, all of these things add up. And it's like, okay, how do I as a parent you know, give them and afford them things and not go overboard and not go into debt so that they can have it? And, 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 and maybe we have gone into debt. All that to say, man, kids financially bring a level of stress into our life. So yes, money is a big part of our life And I think it's it's important that as a church, as a Christian, we learn how to handle it from a biblical perspective. And I would hope everybody here today would, would, would enter this topic in this conversation and honestly be able to ask this question. How does God expect me to use money? Maybe you're new to Christianity or you're new to church and you've never asked that question. Maybe you're a Christian you've been a Christian for a long time but but you've never honestly stepped back and asked this question and, and really thought through it um, and, and, and so I think a lot of times in church when' we're, when we're maybe presented with this kind of question at least in my experience there's usually a group of men and they're usually men in my experience that that have a problem with this conversation they have a problem with this kind of sermon and, and for them it's like money is a private issue and it's between me and the Lord, it's between me and God, and, and you shouldn't be talking about it. You should be talking about prayer, Trent, and maybe so. <laughs> um, or it's like, church is all about money. I mean, we've, we've all heard that. And so churches are all about money, man, and, and you, just, you just want more money, and, and uh, that's, that's why you would talk about it. And so, so maybe that's kind of one of the categories that, that you've, you've fallen into, and, and kind of what that conversation feels like is that you've got some kind of trust issue there's a trust issue that has developed, and uh, you don't trust the church, you don't trust pastors or leaders, or maybe you don't trust me for whatever reasons, and and so you know there's probably a story that goes along with. Why you don't trust the church or trust uh, this topic in church and it's probably a, a heartbreaking story I mean we've all read things in the news and we've all seen leaders in churches and and people who claim to be you know good people that are extorting people for money and so all of that does happen it has happened and and so we're kind of the enemy uses that to distort kind of the topic and the issue of, of how we should honestly deal with it in the church but What if, for the next few weeks, you said, you know what, I get all that, but I'm going to lay that down, and you were just to kind of lean in and listen for the next few weeks. And not just listen to me, but that you would lean in and, and listen for the voice of God, because today and for the next three weeks, what I wanna do is just basically, I wanna study the Bible and, and what God says about money. I, I just wanna look at the Word of God, make some applications and, and just study and, and look at what God wants us to do and, 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 and how he wants us to use it. Because I think for the majority of the people in the room, I, I, I honestly think that you wanna do good with money. You wanna be generous. You, you have questions about money, and, and so you want those questions answered uh, from, from the Bible. And, when we were growing up, nobody really taught us how to use money, and uh, that tendency in our heart was real. Like, when, as soon as we got it, we wanted to spend it, and, and we didn't think about how college loans were going to loom over our heads. And, and we thought, honestly, when we made those purchases on our credit card, we were going to be able to pay it off at the end of the month, but, but somehow it just kept growing and growing and growing somewhere Along the way, man, we've got to slow down. We've got to ask this question, and we've got to lean into a biblical model for stewardship, for managing the wealth and resources, no matter how much or how little God has given to us. For many people, it's like, okay, when I have leftover money, if that ever happens, that's when I'm generous, that's when I give, that's when I'm able to bless people, But if I don't have anything left over, then I I tend not to give anything. And so for a majority of people, that's kind of where it ends. Like, I usually don't have anything left over, therefore I even say I can't give. And we hear people say that all the time. I can't give. I can't help. Why? Because I don't have any left over. There's no margin in my life. And so, thankfully, the Bible has a lot of answers and and gives us a proper perspective and way to deal with money that, listen, allows us to take care of our family, plan for the future, and have fun with it, and live an honorable, praiseworthy, worshipful life by generously giving to God. You can do it all. And when you do all of those things, then the the stress level when it comes to finances can begin to decrease. And then you can begin to live in not only financial freedom, but but in, in, in a free walk with the Lord that is growing and healthy in our life. And so I want us to understand that when it comes to money, it's way more than numbers. It's way more than numbers. I mean, financially managing the resources that God has given to you is way more than spreadsheets and expense reports and budgets and addition and subtraction and forecasting. In fact, it has very little to do with numbers at all. In fact, the amount that we give is not even important. Jesus says this, he he, he says, look, the amount you give has nothing to do with it. In the series, you're gonna hear me say this over and over again. And so I hope that this kind of settles in our hearts. It's not about managing numbers. It's about managing your heart. It's about managing my heart, your heart, because God is after your heart. And God knows that when my heart is submitted to him, and, and, and when my heart is, is, is giving him authority, when my heart is, is following and trusting and, and, and he has my whole heart, then, then managing the numbers becomes easier and it's less stressful. And so, man, you, you don't need the strategy today on how to get out of debt. There, there are strategies out there and, and, and ways to do that and financial peace has lots of them. But, but here's, way, here's something way more important. Before we can learn financial strategies, we have to learn how to manage our heart. And for everybody in the room, no matter where we're at, it's not like you figure this out, and even if you're a giver, like, oh, I'm a giver, and so it's automated online, and it comes out every month, just like you, Trent. Like We don't even think about it, it happens, you've prioritized that, that's great. But if we're not careful, if we don't revisit the conversation, then, then we can even begin to forget about how we can honor God with what we have decided to give him. And, and our focus can easily become inward. And then we can easily say, you know what, I know we were going to give, but this month we probably want to do this. And maybe if we shift this and, and do this. And, and so it's a consistency of looking at our heart that's so important. And so let's look at what the Bible says about our heart. We'll start in Jeremiah Here's what Jeremiah says. This is what the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Ouch. <laughs> like, man, this is not very encouraging. This isn't is very encouraging for us to look at today, but, but God says, look, let me, let me just tell you what your heart is. Trent, what your heart is, it is deceitful above anything else in the world. Your heart, Trent, your heart in the room today, whoever you are, no matter how good you think you are, when God, compared to his holiness, compared to his standards, compared to his righteousness, he says it is deceitful above all things. It's always gonna go inward towards me. It's always gonna lean in towards um, greed, and jealousy, and anger. It's always going to lean in towards, take care of numero uno. Take care of yourself first. That that selfishness is always going to happen. Why? Because it deceives me. My heart lies to me all the time. You know, the popular phrase today is, hey, just trust your heart, man. Just go with it and just believe. And like, no, don't trust your heart. Like your heart is deceitful above anything else. It will lie to you. My heart will tell me if I spend all of my money on myself and if I take my family on a lot of vacations and I I just pour in all of this money into our happiness and materialism and and, and experiences of entertainment for us that I'm going to be happy, we're gonna be fulfilled, my kids are gonna love me, they're gonna honor me, they're gonna be respectful kids. Like, that is a lie. (laughs) And so he says your heart is deceitful above all things. He says, it's desperately sick. My heart is desperately sick. Who can understand that? In other words, you can't understand your own heart. You don't understand why you do some of the things that you do or or why you think about some of the things that you think about. You're you're desperately sick and, and, and nobody can understand it. The Lord, I, the Lord, he says, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And so the Lord now is searching this desperately sick heart. That's kind of scary to think about. (laughs) My heart is is, is sick, it's deceitful above all else, And, and the Lord is going to search my heart, like he knows my heart, and based upon that search, what he finds in my heart, he's actually going to give to me based on what he finds in there. <laughs> now, if that was the end of the story, we should all be really fearful today. We should be really scared. But it's not the end of the story, okay? in Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel gives us the, the, the hope of the Messiah, the promise of what God is going to do. And God says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone that is filled with deceit and sin, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And so what he's promising here is what we call a new birth. It's what we call this this new conversion experience. We get a new heart, and the prophecy then is fulfilled when Jesus is dying on the cross and he is Raising from the grave. So in Christ, we can experience this new birth. We can have this new heart. And so when we are coming to Jesus, what we're saying is, Jesus, I give you control of my life. I commit to living for you in all areas of my life. And so yes, forgive me of my sin. Yes, save me today. And in that, we are giving him authority of our life. In other words, God. The Lord Jesus, you are now in control of every area of my life. This is what we would call a conversion experience. It's what we call a regenerated heart. The heart of stone is transformed into a heart of flesh. In John chapter three, Jesus calls this a rebirth. He says, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So, so what is happening in this moment of conversion is that the spirit of God is now coming into our life He's giving us a new birth and we are committing to Him to walk with Him, to live for Him and submit every area of our life to Him as an act of worship. Now, if you're a Christian today, you know this. And as a believer, you also know that you weren't born a Christian. There's not a, you don't just wake up you know, and, and all of a sudden you're a Christian. Now, this is a moment in your life where there is a knowledge and an understanding of who Jesus is and what He's calling you to do and there's a moment where you are giving him your life. You are committing to him and he is saving you in that moment. So in that new heart, man, everything changes. Now you, now, now you have power, the spirit in you to overcome sin and you have power to defeat sin in your life and to walk in newness of life. That's the good news. The, the struggle though is that even with a brand new heart, every single one of us are gonna continue to struggle with sin. We're gonna wrestle with sin. In Romans seven, Paul talks about this, this, this idea that there are things that I know that I should do. These are godly, righteous things that I should do. And he says, but I don't do them. And then he says, there are some ungodly things that I don't wanna do, and I find myself doing them. And he says, man, I am a wretched, pitiful man. And what he is talking about is this internal battle that every single Christian should be going through. Like we should be wrestling with sin in our life. You should be wrestling with how you talk. You should be wrestling with how you think and and what you watch and, and how you live your life and how you spend your time. And when it comes to money, there should be a wrestling with your flesh, because even though the heart is brand new, it is still deceitful, it still lies to me. And if I'm not careful, it's always gonna draw me inward onto myself. And so I've got to wrestle with that desire. I've gotta wrestle with how I'm going to use money in my life? Is, is, is this purchase? Is this generosity? Is this whatever I'm, I'm doing with my resources? Is this giving God authority and control of my money? Or is this Trent taking the reins and making this decision on his own? And so in Matthew 15, Jesus gives us an illustration to really kind of help us understand where all of this is coming from. And again, it goes back to the heart. Let's look at it. If you have it in your Bibles, it'll be here. In Matthew 15, verse 17, Jesus says, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Thank you, Jesus, for the anatomy lesson here. This is like an x commercial. Thank you, right here. Fiber one, go to Matthew 15. Anyway, then he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. So what's coming out of my mouth today, what's coming out of your mouth this week, and, 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 and what's being fleshed out in how we live is all coming and stemming from our heart. And he says, this is what, what, <clears throat> what defiles a person. Because for the Jewish leaders, they thought that you had to follow a certain diet in order to honor God. And so there were all these dietary laws, and, and if I eat this and I don't eat this, then I'm good with God. Right, And, 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 if, and if, I, if I mess up, then I'm not good. And so they, they felt like the sense of entitlement because they were following a dietary laws. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. It's not what you eat that defiles you. What defiles you is what comes out of your heart. And what are these things that defile a person? He says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, I mean, we look at this list, and I guarantee everybody in the room, either in your organization or even in church life, you know somebody who lost their job because of one of these sins. You know someone who lost their influence because of one of these sins. And so the reality is, if we don't monitor our heart and what's going on on the inside of our heart, then in a moment, we could lose everything we spent a lifetime working towards. It takes a lifetime to build up trust, doesn't it? It takes a lifetime to build up faithfulness, but in a moment, in one decision, one bad decision, one immoral relationship, and that trust is completely ruined. That honor is completely taken away the respect of your children and those that look up to you completely gone. See how that works? Where does that come from? He says it comes from the heart. Everything that we say, everything that we do, all stems and flows out of our heart. And if we fail to monitor our heart, if we fail to monitor what's going on on the inside, then in that moment, We could lose everything that we spent a lifetime working towards. And so whatever's in there, whatever's in your heart today, is eventually going to surface. And our insight, our talent, our our energy, our focus, our passion, none of that is going to be able to compensate for a bad heart. So if you're living with greed in your heart, the evidence is that all of your money is spent on you and there's no margin for generosity. So what's coming out of your heart is, is, is a lifestyle that is spend all my money and even maybe a little bit more on myself and my needs and our things. There's no margin in there to bless someone or to encourage someone financially or to give to God. And so therefore, it's a, 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 a symptom of a heart Issue, what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 1. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So here's the idea we can know him better. Just like knowing who Jesus, like getting saved, like coming to faith is not the end of your story. You don't, just, you don't just make that commitment, get baptized, and then you're done. No, getting to know him better is a process. And every single one of us are called to that process of getting to know him better. And he says, this is, this is how it happens. We get to know him better by having the eyes of your heart enlightened. The eyes of our heart enlightened. Right, so this is an analogy. And he's saying, as our heart is enlightened. In other words, when the Spirit of God says, hey, yeah, yeah, woo, hey, 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 is this is it. Like you gotta see this. This is truth. I'm not talking about your experience. I'm not talking about what you, what you desire. I'm not talking about what feels right. I'm enlightening your heart so that you would see the truth that's gonna lead to freedom in your life. Financial freedom in your life, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So as my heart is enlightened, I'm also understanding why he called me. This is my purpose, why you're here. Why are you here? Why do you work where you work and live where you live? There's a reason behind that. God has a bigger purpose for for where you're working than just to give you money to pay your mortgage. Like, no, there is a calling and a purpose there. And he says, this is, this is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So I'm praying in this series, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. I'm praying that for me. I'm praying that for you. And my encouragement is that you would begin to pray that even for yourselves, that our eyes would be opened and our hearts would be enlightened to his truth when it comes to generosity and when it comes to money. Because when it comes to money, it's not about numbers. It's about your heart. It's about my heart. It's about where that heart is before God and how I am honoring him or not honoring him and and what I give to him. And the only way that you're gonna right the ship here the only way that you could get uh, out and and, and remove that lust of materialism from your heart of wanting more and more stuff and nicer and nicer things, the only way you can get out of debt, stay out of debt, is if the Lord enlightens the eyes of your heart and you say, okay, God, I'm gonna let you have authority over my finances. I'm gonna gonna let you guide my path. And so to close, here's how I want us to apply this today. I want us to apply this with a prayer. And so this is the opening of this series. We've got three more weeks to kind of flesh out these ideas. So I I hope you keep coming back and I hope you keep uh, engaging in this. But it starts with this prayer, starts with our understanding of heart. And here's the first item that we wanna look at. In our prayer, we wanna say, God, give me an eternal mindset. Because if we want our eyes to be enlightened, if we want our hearts to be submitted to God, then one of the ways that he's gonna do that and one of the ways he's gonna enlighten our heart is by giving us an eternal mindset. Listen, you won't invest into the kingdom of God unless you believe you're actually going to live there. If you don't believe you're gonna live there, then there's no reason to invest in that new home for you. But if you believe you're gonna be in heaven with God, in his kingdom forever, then it makes sense that today you should start investing in the home that you're going to live in one day. It doesn't make sense, right? And so if we don't think about that, then then we we miss out on the opportunities that God is giving to us today. You need the light in your eyes to see beyond your problems, to see beyond your desires, and you need to see the reality of the future that is to come, right? So, Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter four. Paul says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, outer self's wasting away, getting older, elbows hurting, knees hurting, right, hips hurting. We're going to the doctor, we're on medication for blood pressure and cholesterol, why? Because outwardly, our outer self, that is our body, is wasting away. This is a result of sin. One day, every single one of us will die. Our bodies are wasting away. We will face death, right? And so that's the, that's the mindset he's saying. But our inner self is being renewed day by day. See, that's the, the, the dichotomy here is my body begins to wither. My spirit, if I'm connecting my heart to Jesus, gets stronger and is renewed day by day by his spirit. For this light, momentary affliction, what we're going through in this life, this suffering that we're experiencing today, You've got sickness, you've got stress, you've got issues, you've got family problems, you've got marital issues. we got all these issues, right? This is a momentary affliction that we are going through. And it is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So what you are going through today does not compare to the eternal glory that you and I are going to experience as followers of Jesus one day in eternity in heaven. One day, yeah, that gets me excited. That gives me hope, and I hope it does you too. No matter what you're going through today, this is the the balance. That's why I needed eternal perspective. If I'm not thinking eternal, then when someone faces sickness, when I am just stressed to the max, and, and, and I don't understand why people are doing what they're doing and why I'm making mistakes and doing things that I'm doing, why I don't feel purpose and hope in various parts of my life, like depression and all of these things are coming. If I'm only focused on that, I lose sight of where I'm going. And he says, set your mind. Get it, get it off of these momentary afflictions, because it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen. The things that are seen are all the material things, right? He says, don't look at the material things around you. Houses, cars, like clothes, jobs, job descriptions, titles, all that stuff. That's things that are seen. But to the things that are unseen in other words he wants our focus on the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient that just means temporary they're fleeting they're going to they're going to waste away they're they're, they're going to be done but the things that are unseen are eternal get your mind on the eternal when you encourage someone that's an eternal thing that's happening. When you are giving generously, that's an eternal investment that you're making into your future home. Those are eternal things. And listen, we aren't naturally gonna have an eternal mindset because of sin in our life. We live with the tyranny of the urgent, don't we? Oh, here's a problem, I gotta do it, I gotta do it, I gotta do it. Oh, another problem exists, and now I gotta focus, I gotta focus, I gotta focus. And we got this project at work, and I gotta go, 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 go. And I mean, that's the enemy's way of getting your mind on temporary things. We gotta step back and realize whether you make the deadline or not is not the end of the world. There's something bigger happening here. And if I don't slow down enough to have relationships with people, worship Jesus, honor him, and encourage other people to know him, then it doesn't matter what deadline you meet and what salary you make, it matters not. Don't focus on the things that are seen. Focus on the things that are unseen. Here's a second prayer that we need to pray here. God, give me a sense of urgency. Give me a sense of urgency. Why? Why urgency? Well, urgency tells me and reminds me that I don't have long. Like, like what do we get? 80, 90, 100 years, we're lucky, right? And so I don't have much time. You don't have much time. You don't have as much time as you think you do. You never know when that that moment is gonna happen in your life. You never know when that moment for your friend at work or your family member faces something that, that ends their life and, and, and as a result, like it's over. You don't, get a, you don't get a redo there. We need a sense of urgency like now. We've gotta seize the day now. We've gotta do something now, 2020. Not when you get older, young people. Not when you graduate college and think, oh, when I graduate, then I'm gonna get my life ready. No. You'll make way too many mistakes before then. When my kids get out of the house, then we're gonna, no, take advantage today. Now, here's what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Don't live an unwise life. He wants us to live with wisdom here. How do we make and, and, and live with wisdom? He says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity that God gives to you. You see you see, God crack that door, you walk right through it. You, you, God cracks the door for a conversation with somebody about your, your spiritual life or your church, you walk right through that door. When God gives you an opportunity to get your finances right like he's gonna do in this series, man, you bust through that door and say, God, I'm gonna do whatever it is, uh, I, I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna wait until I get a raise or I get that next job. When I get that next job, then I'll be able to afford to give. When my wife gets a job, then we'll be able to afford to do this. When we sell this, then we'll be able to do this. Do it now, do it now. Don't wait any longer, because the days are evil. The days are evil, man. I don't have to spend time on this. The days are evil. In Thailand, I think it was yesterday, guy killed 21 people, injured 42. Why? And in the article that I read, it was over a land dispute. Like the days are evil. We live in a country where our political system allows abortion on demand, and then has the audacity to call it healthcare. We live in an evil time. It's an evil, evil world, and it's all around us. And we've gotta live with wisdom, and we've gotta walk with Jesus. He is coming back. The longer we wait to address our lack of generosity, the further we're gonna drift from the Lord. And so we've got to make that step. We gotta do it today. Here's the final prayer. This is the, the final part of the prayer is a commitment. And we're committing to make a sacrifice. We're committing to make a sacrifice. God, we are going to sacrifice. I'm gonna do something, even if it's little. I'm gonna do something that's gonna move my heart in this direction of making sacrifices. And so, here's, here's what happened to uh, me a few weeks ago. Um, so we were, I was with my oldest daughter, Bailey. We were at Cracker Barrel, and uh, sitting right by the fire, by the way, which was awesome. And uh, it was cold, and we sat down, and we were, were, we're eating. And um, in walks this older couple, had to be mid-60s, late, late 60s. And um, so this, I mean, he's a big dude too, big big guy. So he sits down. And uh, I'm just guessing it was his wife, same age. And so I'm, we're, we're having a conversation, we're hanging, but I can't notice what's happening at this table. Um, is anybody else like that? Like you're like wondering, what's going on over there? No, um, I'm looking and this guy is like visibly stressed. And I can just see it all over his face, you know? And then he goes to the, to the, to the brow, you know? his his elbows on the table, he he puts his head down and and so like he's holding his head like this and then he starts shaking his head. And for a moment he lifts his head up and I can tell that there are tears in his eyes. And, And then it had to be his wife. She reached over and put her hand on top of his hand and with his head bowed in the middle of Cracker Barrel, she's you know whispering and speaking truth, hopefully over him. And I'm watching this scene and man, I, my heart is stirring. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I wanna just go like high five this guy. I wanna just like, I wanna solve this problem, right? That's, that's kind of what's, what's going on in my head. And, and um, I don't know what it takes for a 65 plus year old man to, to, to bring him to tears in the middle of Cracker Barrel. But it had to be something major. It had to be something really big. And so, I didn't feel like it was appropriate to inter, interrupt the conversation or anything, but I just simply, I just simply called our waitress over and I said, "Can you bring me their their bill?" And um, and she said, "Sure." And she she brought the bill over and and uh, we left and we paid for it and and that was that was the end of it. And I started thinking, man, I wish there was some way. Like, I can't preach to that guy. I can't like interrupt their conversation. But I wish there was something small that 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 I could give to him or do to kind of get his mind that, that somebody cares about him and, and not to put the attention on me or anything that I did, but to get his attention on the love of God. And so um, I know that several churches and people have, have done similar things like this, but he but just thought, man, it would be great if we had just a small like business size card that I could have given to that waitress and I could have said, hey. Give me their bell. And if you don't mind, uh, when they're done, just just give this card to them. And and I didn't have that, but now we do. (laughs) I dropped it. So all the card says is God loves you. Because in that moment, I would love for him to to go, oh man, somebody paid for our meal? (laughs) That's cool. And then God loves me? I don't know what that does. I know this, I know generosity attracts attention. I know generosity gets attention. That's why Ellen DeGeneres gives away stuff almost every show. She's following Oprah who gave away stuff at every show. Why? It gets attention. Generosity gets people's attention. And so I wanna encourage you today that that this week, and as a lifestyle, we choose to make a sacrifice. And in a small step of kindness, um, I wanna encourage you to grab some of these cards today as you leave. They're all over our campus and our people at the doors here are gonna have them and you can take as many as you want. And I wanna challenge you to do something that would be a simple act of kindness this week. And uh, that could be as easily as paying for somebody's meal at a restaurant or you know, if you're in a drive-thru paying for the meal behind you and asking the person at the window, hey, here's a card, would you just give this card to them or paying for their coffee or Maybe bake something, you know, creatively and take to a neighbor and just attach the card over or, or send an encouraging note, you know, just an encouraging note to someone. Hey, pray for you, thinking about you, love you. Insert that card. Get their attention and mind focused on the idea that, that God loves them because this is tangibly how God shows his love. He uses you and he uses me. And so let's recap today. Here's our prayer. This is how we're gonna close. God give me an eternal mindset. Would you be willing to pray that today and every day this week? Join me in that prayer. God give me an eternal mindset. God God give me a sense of urgency. I got to I got to get with it. I can't I can't wait around and and then choose to make a sacrifice. Choose to make a sacrifice. Do something that's going to impact somebody else. I promise if you start this journey, I know that God is going to move in your heart and through this series, he's going to do something that you're not expecting, This is gonna blow us out of the water. Let me pray for us. God, in this moment, we wanna pray this prayer. And all over the room, would you just simply say, tell God right now, just say, Lord, here's what I wanna do. I'm asking you for an eternal mindset. Would you just tell him, say, God, give me an eternal mindset. God, give me a sense of urgency. Tell him right now in this moment. Right here, right now, God. Give me a sense of urgency. Lord, we wanna live for you. People all over the room today, we've got issues, we've got problems. But Lord, you're calling us to focus on something bigger, not on momentary afflictions, but on our eternal perspective. Get our hope in our minds and our hearts looking and thinking in that direction today. Change our hearts, enlighten our heart. As we continue to pray this morning in a spirit of worship, let's continue to ask God, let's continue to seek him this morning. Give me an eternal mindset. Give me a sense of urgency.